Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Under the Covers with Eve. I hope you're all doing well. I am fighting off a cold, so if my voice is a little scratchy, I'm sorry, but I've got my my lozenges and my my tea with honey. It's one of the drawbacks of being a voice performer is that if you get a cold, you you can't work. Anyway, <laughs> so for this episode, I want to talk about rejection. This is something that everyone experiences at some point in their lives, whether it's being turned down for a date or not getting a job you interviewed for, or just feeling disapproved of in general sometimes. Uh, this is such a common thing for everybody. And it's something that has such a huge potential to affect the way we view ourselves and our lives that I think it's worth examining a bit closer. If you think about what rejection means to you, you can probably come up with a few choice memories. I know I can. Um, <laughs> or perhaps even worries about something that hasn't happened yet. Even the fear of rejection can be, you know, overwhelming, so much so that you don't even want to try. You can imagine how bad it's going to feel. And I'm pretty sure that in each case, it's something that uh, affected you really deeply, possibly even for years, maybe even continuing to affect you now. So I want to give you a few different ways of looking at rejection, maybe things you haven't thought of before, ways you can deal with it if it does happen, or even ways you can deal with just the thought of it happening. What I won't do is try to tell you that it doesn't completely suck, because it does. I mean, <laughs> there's just no way of getting around that. It does hurt. So this isn't about trying to talk you out of your feelings, um, but rather it's a way of maybe dealing with the hurt in a way that might make it fade a bit faster. If you can come away from this not feeling hurt in the future, you know, that's great. But for now, I just want you to realize I'm not going to give you a typical pep talk about how you should just suck it up and get on with your life and, you know, it's their loss, blah, blah, blah. You know, I really want you to look at this idea and think about what it means and what it doesn't mean. So first of all, I think it's important to understand that absolutely everyone has dealt with rejection. I don't mean most people. I mean everyone. I want you to consider a few little tidbits here. In the world of fiction writing, for example, J.K. Rowling's um, first Harry Potter book was rejected by 12 publishers, and one of them actually told her not to quit her day job. This is what they thought of her writing. Don't, we don't want this book, and don't quit your day job. Stephen King, uh, his first novel, Carrie, was rejected 30 times. I mean, can you imagine? You've written this novel, you send it out 30 times to just keep getting these letters back in the mail saying, no, sorry, we don't want it. It's, it's hard to believe that someone can like that can keep going, but obviously he did, and he had a reason to. There are too many examples like this to count, because almost every single famous book or movie that you've ever heard of was rejected at least once or twice sometimes many dozens, if not hundreds of times, before it was actually published. And when it comes to being romantically rejected, think about this. Think about beautiful actresses like Sienna Miller, Elizabeth Hurley, Jennifer Aniston, Eva Longoria, Sandra Bullock, Ali Landry, Demi Moore, I mean, the list goes on. Each one of them was either cheated on or dumped by their husbands or boyfriends. There's Famous men who've been cheated on and dumped, too, like um, Robert Pattinson, that guy from the Twilight movies, that the you know the vampire guy that the 
<laughs> girls just went nuts for his girlfriend cheated all of these people were essentially rejected in favor of someone else and at some point you have to look at them and think who would cheat on these people i mean really can can you seriously do better than a than a gorgeous movie star lover i mean are they all like psychopaths or something i, I doubt it you know there was a famous story about madonna in the late 90s at the height of her fame when she was like she was it she apparently pursued antonio banderas and he supposedly just turned her down flat now whatever personality quirks she might have when you get to know her i think it's fair to say that she wasn't exactly undateable at that time she isn't even now but she certainly wasn't then but he didn't want her for whatever reasons he had it shows that it really doesn't matter who it is you know the most gorgeous talented amazing famous people in the world have been dumped and turned down just as much as the rest of us have i've had my share of rejection too just like everybody else i've been stood up for dates i've been insulted when asking someone out i've been turned down i mean you name it in fact even this whole series has been rejected if you want to put it that way I recently put up a survey about whether my listeners wanted me to continue with this series or not. I had about 200 responses, I think, roughly, and about 185 of them wanted me to continue, but 15 people said that they didn't. So, you know, I could look at it this way. There are at least 15 people out there who don't like this series and took the time to express their their dislike. They made it pretty clear, we don't like this. Or, or me, maybe it's me personally, they don't like. Either way, it's, it's a pretty plain, in-your-face rejection of who I am and what I do. All of this leads to the main point here, which is no one ever escapes rejection in some form or another. But if you look at it realistically, it doesn't have to get to you. Because most of the time, it isn't even about you or your value as a person or an artist or whatever it is that you do that gets rejected by some people. Rejection is almost always about another person's assessment of you or what you have to offer. It's about their tastes, preferences, prejudices, or attitudes, or even just about where they happen to be in their lives right at this moment. It could even be just about the mood that they happen to be in that day. You may never know the real reason someone is rejecting you. But again, that's my point. That's their issue, not yours, for the most part. Now, I'll discuss that more a little later, but please just think about this for a moment. Most of the time, rejection is not about you at all. If you've asked someone out or expressed your feelings to someone and have been rejected, I want you to consider this analogy. It's like offering a dinner guest a piece of cake for dessert. He or she might say no. They might not like cake. They might like cake, but not that flavor. They might be on a diet. They might be full, whatever, you know, they might say no. But it doesn't mean that the cake isn't any good. It just means that person does not want that slice of cake at this moment. And that's all. If you look at it this way, it puts the onus where it belongs on the person who's turning you down. It takes a bit of the sting out of rejection if you realize that you're the cake, you know, you're delicious, you're good. It's the person who turns you down who's missing out. Now, I know you've probably heard this kind of thing a lot, this, oh, it's her loss kind of thing, but I really want you to think about this seriously. 
because it's not just a platitude. It really is about understanding that your own value should never be called into question if someone doesn't happen to want what you're offering right this second. So even if it doesn't take away the disappointment, because I know it certainly is disappointing when you want to date someone and they say no, um, thinking of it this way allows you to preserve your self-worth. You can look at it like that person there has declined my invitation for their own reasons. It's not that I'm unworthy or that someone else won't accept my invitation. The reason that it's, it's so important to do this, of course, is that it preserves your ability to keep looking for someone who does want what you're offering. Because they are out there. I know it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but honestly, there's only a small number of people that you've run across in your life, especially if you're young, that you would even get to the point of, of potentially asking out on a date. So even if you've, if you've asked out 10 people, you know, and gotten turned down 10 times, that's just 10 people. Only 10 people in the entire world. I mean, of all the people you've ever met in your lifetime, in any capacity, it's 10 people. You know, come on, you can't seriously judge your self-worth on such a small sample. Yet the sad thing is most people let themselves feel like crap over just one person or two or three. They let the opinions of people that they can count on the fingers of one hand determine their entire future and their sense of self-worth. It would be like um, if I took the survey results and decided not to do this series anymore because 15 people didn't like me. You know, would that make sense? Should I give up and stop making audios and start thinking of myself as a terrible and unlovable person because of those 15 people? That's what you're doing when you let that one person who turned you down for a date make you afraid to ever ask anyone out again, you know? So if you think it would be wrong for me to give up based on a few people, then you should apply that logic to yourself as well. This is the whole point. You know, rejection is so rarely about the desirability, the lovability, or the inherent worth of the person being dumped or cheated on or rejected or whatever. It's almost entirely about the person who doesn't want them. It's not about the cake, you know? It's entirely up to the person who either accepts it or doesn't. Okay, so, I hear what you're saying. Well, what if the cake really does suck? I mean, you know, what if no one wants it because it's dry and lumpy and tastes bad, you know? Isn't that a possibility? Well, okay, in the world of home baking, Sure, but um, in the world of human beings, not likely. No one is that bad. Everyone has inherent worth, even if you're shy about it or you don't reveal yourself too much. Everyone is capable of finding a fit for their personality. Again, I I'll address the what if I really do suck issue in a minute, but basically, if you have been rejected by someone, what's more likely is simply that you have tried to connect with the wrong person, or even the right person, but at the wrong time. And to continue the cake analogy, because why not? It's cake, right? Think of it this way. Suppose you knew that your friend was diabetic and couldn't eat a lot of sugar. Would you still offer her the cake? What if you knew he was on a diet? Or what if she had just said, God, I'm so full, the button on my jeans just popped off and I couldn't eat another bite. Would you, would you still offer her more cake? You see my point. If you knew ahead of time that this person wouldn't accept the offer, you wouldn't make it. But you wouldn't feel bad about it. You would not feel like there was something wrong with the cake. So it makes sense that if you're considering asking someone out, you have to find out a few basic things first. This is tough, I know. 
how you go about this um that isn't some sort of obvious like oh i bet your boyfriend loves that top on you or or you know <laughs> you know things like that um, i i can't say specifically this is something you're gonna have to figure out but i do have a few suggestions i think the most obvious mistake that people make the one that is almost guaranteed to lead to more rejection than acceptance is that they put themselves in situations in which superficial comparisons are easy to make and hard to compete with. Like Tinder, for example. I mean, this kind of thing. Wow, you have to have a thick skin to put yourself out there like that. I mean, Tinder-type things are for young, attractive, sexually experienced people who want to meet other young, attractive, sexually experienced people, usually for a casual hookup. And keep in mind, that even at that, you are essentially competing with hundreds of other people who are doing the exact same thing that you want to do. So it's like going to some singles bar somewhere and trying to meet someone in a meaningful way. If you're surrounded by a ton of other young single guys looking to meet the hottest girls in the room, or vice versa, and you're going to base your success solely on your looks and your sexiness and your charm, just like everybody else in the room is doing, well, that's not going to be easy for anyone. There's always someone who's, you know, perceived as better looking or sexier or funnier or whatever, especially in a meat market type environment. There's just so much choice. You know, people can get extremely picky because they can. There's just so much choice. I know this seems simple when I say it this way, but you'd be surprised how many people don't seem to understand this. Um... So if you're a shy or average looking person, just like the vast majority of us are, if you aren't absolutely drop dead gorgeous, like the vast majority of us aren't, then trying to meet people in any kind of superficial environment is going to be difficult. It's not that you couldn't meet someone this way. I mean, of course you could. <laughs> you're in this bar after all, you know, the sweet, sensitive, sexy woman of your dreams could be there too, and she could be very glad to have found you among all the other nonsense. But more likely, if you are a more reserved person, or say you're more into conversation and partying, then going to a bar or going on Tinder, you know, or going to a party and trying to make a connection with a stranger just based on looks is probably going to result in some rejection. And I mean, we'd all love to be flattered this way. We'd all, we would all love to hear a stranger say, oh, you're so gorgeous, you know? And sometimes it happens, and when it does, it's great. But to base all of your self-worth on this happening? Well, as I said, if you can handle striking out more than you score, then that could be fine for you, and go ahead, you know? Good luck to you, really. But otherwise, consider putting your personality, your talents, your charm, your intelligence, the things that you're really good at, out there on display, and see who you attract for those reasons. It's way more likely that someone who falls for you because she likes your sense of humor or your drawing skills or your guitar playing or, you know, and maybe, you know, she probably also thinks you're cute. It's more likely she'll stick around and become a long-term relationship um, than someone in a bar who just thinks you're hot, as flattering as that might be. Okay, so suppose you don't expect to meet someone based on their looks or yours. Suppose you get this point completely and you want to date someone because of something else about them that interests you or intrigues you, how do you avoid rejection in this case? I think there are a few simple things that you can and should do before you consider asking them out or making your move. 
First of all, you have to find out if the person that you're interested in is sexually interested in your gender and sexual orientation. Whatever combinations, doesn't matter. Just make sure that they would be receptive to an offer from your gender or sexual orientation. If the girl you like is a lesbian, if the guy you like isn't gay, you know, then there's no point in offering. I learned this lesson many years ago. I had a huge crush on a guy. Huge. I mean, I really liked him. Um, he was quirky and, you know, he wasn't good looking. Just, you know, um, we got along well. We were great friends. I was thinking of asking him out. I mean, I was not, I'm, I'm kind of shy around guys. I'm not that brave, but so it was a big step for me. I was actually thinking of doing it until one group dinner with friends. I found out he was gay. I was shocked. I had no idea. <laughs> Seriously, no clue. So I'm really glad that I found this out before I asked him out. So then you have to find out if the person is single. There's little point in asking out someone who has a partner already. So get in the habit of checking ring fingers, you know, for wedding rings, third finger, left hand, in case you don't know. Um, it's not always going to help, but if someone does happen to be wearing a wedding ring, that's good to know, right? You, you know right away. It also helps to know if they have just ended a relationship. They might be single, but they're so shell-shocked from a breakup that they don't even want to think about dating yet. This is way more common than you might think, especially if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in relationships yet. Um, we all have a tendency to think, oh, so-and-so is single now, you know? And I don't, I don't mean you think this the day after they break up. I mean, even sometimes months afterwards, you start thinking this, and we assume um, that they're looking again. But in reality, some people take many months or even years to feel ready to start dating again. Even if they're glad that that previous relationship is over. Sometimes it takes a lot of adjustment. So make sure that the person that you're interested in asking out is open to the idea of dating anyone right now. So once you know these three things, then you've already cut out the most obvious reasons for rejection right there. From there, the best advice I can give you is to try to feel out whether this person has things in common with you. More than just working in the same place or going to the same classes, although they can be all you need to connect with someone, but sometimes they're not. Be observant around this person for simple things like, do they smile when they see you? Do they seem genuinely happy when they greet you? Do they sit near you? Do they initiate conversations with you? Do they ask you questions about yourself or tell you a lot about themselves? I did a whole episode uh, on men missing signals from women. And, wow, you guys, I love you, but you can be oblivious sometimes, seriously. So go back and, and revisit that episode if you're not sure whether a girl has been expressing interest or not, because maybe she has. In general, if someone just seems to coexist with you at work or at school, someone who doesn't seem to notice you or pay attention to you, someone who barely looks up when you come in the room, etc., this is not likely to lead to an immediate yes. At least not right away. There's nothing stopping you from trying to get to know someone if you're really interested. Maybe they just haven't noticed you yet for whatever reason. Maybe if you started talking to them, started having lunch with them, that sort of thing, who knows, maybe they might take an interest. But to just jump right in with a virtual stranger and hope to charm him or her into going out with you, more than likely, no matter who you are, you'll get a no. In my opinion, the best way to meet someone these days is online. I don't mean dating sites, 
you know, Tinder, whatever, anywhere in which the express purpose is to find someone. That's too much pressure. I mean, visiting a site that has some sort of interactive community involvement, like Gone Wild Audio. I know I sound like a broken record. I know, I get it, okay? But honestly, the number of couples who have met on GWA and who have hooked up, dated, or even gotten engaged will just blow your mind. It is the ideal situation in which to meet someone for two reasons. First, everyone there has an interest in sexuality. So it's not a taboo subject or something that you have to dance around. Men and women go there because they enjoy sexuality as a subject and for its own sake. And they like interacting with other people who do as well. You don't ever have to record something if you don't want to. That's not what this is about. But if you start listening to performers you like and commenting on their audios, which is really important. I'm just going to put that plug in there. Please do that. And possibly even beginning a correspondence with them. Well, as I said, you would be shocked at the number of people who have found romantic and sexual partners this way. I want to stress, too, that this isn't just a front for people to immediately leap into phone sex with each other, you know? Some people might do that, of course, but a lot of people also just get to know each other in a conversational, non-sexual, just friendly way. You know, they truly become friends, and sometimes that can lead to romance. And secondly, the reason that this works so well is that you get to know someone without the nervousness and judgment issues that come from trying to connect with people based on physical first impressions alone. When you're just typing out a message to someone, it's your pure personality that they are getting to know. Your sense of humor, your basic character. He or she can get to know you without knowing what you look like. Until, and unless, <laughs> the both of you decide you might want to share that. And more often than not, by the time you get to that point of sharing photos, nothing is a deal breaker. You just share photos or, or you video Skype each other because you want to see this person that you've gotten to know. Not because you're judging a stranger on his or her looks for the first time. So you can breathe easier knowing that you aren't going to be judged. You can be yourself. You can show someone what a great sense of humor you have or how talented you are. I mean, there are a lot of people who sing and play instruments and there's comedians and interviewers and storytellers and all sorts of things. All sorts of types of people go on uh, GWA backstage um, where people can go when they're not being overtly sexual. I'll give you the link to that, to that subreddit. Um, they even have a TeamSpeak server where members can join in and talk to each other in real time. So it's actually a really sociable place. Very welcoming. And I recommend this because the sexual element, which is such a big nerve-wracking thing for so many shy or nervous or inexperienced people, it's just out in the open, and it's not that big a deal. A lot of self-described shy people have really come out of their shells just from being a listening and commenting member of GWA. So it's definitely worth trying. You, I mean, you really have nothing to lose, right? If you don't get a good feeling from it, something doesn't work out, you just step away. That's all. Okay. Finally, I want to address something that people have asked me about quite frequently. What happens when someone does say yes, but after one date or two dates or whatever, he or she decides not to date you again? That's rejection of a different kind, and it can be harder to deal with because you feel like someone has gotten to know you. It isn't just based on first impressions. 
and they didn't like you. Okay. Okay, here's the thing. You are two people who don't know each other well. Or maybe you're two friends or acquaintances who've decided to try to change your relationship, potentially, into a romantic or sexual one where it wasn't before. A date or some kind of new sexual component to your friendship is basically a way for you to test out your compatibility with each other. I made an audio about a first date <laughs> in which I, I mentioned bringing a sex resume along. And while that audio was completely tongue-in-cheek, I would never do that on a <laughs> first date, and I don't recommend you do either. Um, <laughs> the idea behind it wasn't completely off the mark, I don't think. You were basically interviewing each other as potential lovers. You were interested in seeing if there is potential there, if this could develop into something. You have no way of knowing this when you first ask someone out. You really are just testing the waters with each other. Think of all the people you have ever met in your life. Just imagine all the people you've ever run across, ever. School and work and everything. How many of them became your friend? How many became your best friend? Not many, right? For most people, even fewer than that become lovers. And even fewer still become long-term lovers or like husbands and wives. The truth is, we do not make connections with everyone we meet, not by a long shot. We connect with relatively few people in our lives, even on just a friendship level. And we connect with even fewer when it comes to finding a romantic partner. So it's not unreasonable that if you date someone, you just don't make a connection for various reasons. Your personalities don't quite sync up. You know, your, your interests don't quite align. You might have a very pleasant but essentially meaningless conversation because you don't share enough in common to talk about anything really important to you. Maybe you find out that you actually have fundamental differences that would make a relationship impossible. You know, maybe he's religious and you're an atheist. Maybe she's a passionate vegan and you just could never give up your steak. You know, whatever. These things aren't flaws in each other's character. They're just signs of incompatibility. It's up to the two of you to decide if they're deal breakers or not. Sometimes people are drawn to each other in spite of differences like these. But if these kinds of differences mean that either one of you doesn't see a romantic future, well, it's not because either one of you did anything wrong. And also keep in mind, if someone agreed to go out with you, then he or she obviously wasn't turned off by your looks, your personality, or anything else about you. You passed that test, so to speak. You know, you made it over that hurdle. It's not like you're some flawed individual that will never get another date. There's a great book that I want to recommend. It's called Rejection Proof. How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection. It's by a guy called Gia Jang. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. Sorry, Gia. <laughs> if you haven't heard of this book, I really hope you'll check it out. It's great. I'll give you a link to it in the description. Basically, Jang realized that his fear of rejection was the biggest obstacle in his life. It was preventing him from achieving his dreams. So he set up this 100 days of rejection experiment in which he intentionally put himself out there, fully expecting to be rejected. This was his plan. He would ask car salesmen if they'd give him lessons in sales. He asked a flight attendant if he could make an announcement over the PA system. All kinds of things, you know? And this book is about the fact that he learned two things. Sometimes he got a yes to all of these out there things that he asked for, 
Like he got Krispy Kreme to make donuts in the form of uh, Olympic rings and the flight attendant let him make a make an announcement, things like that. But even when he got a no, okay, this was the cool thing. Through it, he learned, quote, techniques for stealing himself against rejection and ways to develop his own confidence, a plan that can't be derailed by a single setback. It is a great book. It's definitely worth reading if you think that fear of rejection is keeping you from daring to live the life you want. Now, as an aside, one thing I don't recommend are all these how to get any woman into bed type books. You know, how to make any woman say yes, whatever. These books and programs you see out there. These sort of alpha male things about how to pick up women. These things are usually just full of shit, honestly. There's so much more about selling books and seminars than really helping someone meet a woman. There is no magic formula for seducing any woman, quote. And, you know, certainly anything that causes a schism between the sexes like that, that pits us against them um, in this kind of almost adversarial way, is, is really disrespectful. And I think it's just completely wrong. If you approach meeting women the way you would approach some, you know, big game you want to take down, <laughs> well, be prepared for her to know what you're up to. I mean, she might either play along to get what she wants, she might reject you outright, or a million other things that any individual could do. <laughs> but even if you somehow manage to trick some naive woman into bed, seriously, is that the kind of man you want to be? Nah. Okay, and, and, okay, finally, the lumpy cake thing. The question about what if the cake really does suck? I know you've been waiting for this. Okay. Let's suppose, just for a second, that you do blow it. Big time. You absolutely blow the whole date, or the big ask, or whatever. <laughs> you do something really stupid, or you say something wrong, or you have spinach in your teeth, or you've worn too much cologne, or whatever, okay? It's your fault, no question. You have to give yourself permission to screw something up once in a while, without letting it affect your core belief in your own worth. You have to be able to brush it off and say, wow, okay, did I mess that up? But it's not a big deal. You know, you have to be able to say, I'll just do better next time. Let yourself be human and be flawed and make mistakes like everyone else. Look at your mistakes, learn from them, but don't beat yourself up about them. We all act the fool sometimes. We all do things that make us cringe when we remember them. It's completely normal. You know, especially when we're nervous. It really is okay to just try to laugh it off and say, wow, no wonder he ran for the hills. He or she is just one person. You know, you can try again with someone else. Maybe not use so much cologne next time, or, you know, maybe not talk about your ex the whole time, or whatever it was that you did wrong. And honestly, consider that the person who rejects you because of one inappropriate joke, or one awkward statement, or because you don't look like a supermodel, or whatever, is they're probably not worth your time anyway. That person is probably way too judgmental, way too superficial, is prepared to write you off for the slightest infraction, so to speak. So is that someone you really want to impress, anyway? <laughs> I mean, I know it's tempting. We want everyone to like us. It's, it's really difficult to think someone doesn't like me, you know? But sometimes that just happens, and, and it isn't because you did something wrong, and it isn't because of some mistake you made. Sometimes people are just like oil and water, and they just do not like each other. There's that episode of Seinfeld, um, 
I always mention Seinfeld because it's great, um, in which Jerry is dating a masseuse who just does not like George. She hates him. You know, she just can't stand him. He is so bothered by this that he goes to extreme lengths to make her like him, which, of course, makes her hate him even more. And at some point, Jerry says, Does everyone have to like you? And George is like, Yes, yes, everyone has to like me. Well, not everyone has to like you, okay? Not everyone will. You won't like everyone. It's okay. It means nothing in the end, you know? Keep your core belief in yourself positive and optimistic. And don't let one person or ten people or even a thousand people, don't let their opinion of you hold you back. Rejection is something that we all face, but it's not something that has to ruin our lives. And it shouldn't make you not want to get out there and just be yourself. So that's it for this episode. Hope I've given you some things to think about. I appreciate hearing from everybody who answered the survey. I'm glad to be doing this again when I can. I enjoy talking to you guys and hearing your feedback. I'd like to hear back from you if you have some opinions on this or if you want to talk about anything that I talk about in these episodes, please feel free to send me a line or, or add a comment. I really appreciate it. So take care of yourselves. And until next time, stay warm, stay cozy. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.